It's international break, and here on the Totally Football Show, we're reliving the time the nation got a semi at the World Cup. So dig out your jars of pickles, your half-and-half waistcoats, and your ill-advised Robbie Williams cameos as England played Croatia again. This time not in a World Cup semi-final, but a relegation six-pointer. Also, we'll be looking at other international fixtures. We'll be talking PSG, don't pass to me, and alas, Smith and John at the Villa. All that in this Totally Football Show. sounds of the OJs with Love Train, which must mean that England are rolling back into your station as they prepare for this whopping game with Croatia. By the way, many thanks to Dave Payne for that top line. Riesta Villa, if it all goes pear-shaped for Villa, will the managerial team be known as Alas Smith and John's? Here in the pod and pumped up for this week of international fun, we've got Matt Davis Adams. Hello, James. Commentator for Chelsea TV, a man who's changed his Twitter handle three times in a month. Certainly have, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of happy with the one I've settled on now. And what have you gone for now? Matt Davis Adams. Prosaic, but, you know. And what was the journey that got you there? Well, it was a part of this whole name change thing. What so, were the other ones? So we were Matt Davis FC and then to MJDAFC, oh. uh, which went down very poorly. Right. Uh, so, yeah, Matt Davis Adams for the foreseeable. Okay, excellent. Uh, Jonathan Norcroft, what is your Twitter handle? Oh, at Jay Northcroft, James. Brilliant. Brilliant. Keep it simple. Hmm. Yeah, welcome to the show, by Thank the way. You. Thanks. Jonathan, as you know, listener, is the football correspondent for the Sunday Times and author of the extravagantly titled Deadlines and Darts with Delhi, colon, My World Cup Diary. Speaking of I've, keeping it simple. I've already had an accidental partridge for that, so it's <laughs> a result. David Priest, also here, fresh from the number one podcast. Thanks for having me back in this international break. Not at all, David. Always good to have you here. Can you remember what happened in Russia? I, I always like look forward, not look backwards. <laughs> I'm that type of person. <laughs> we tell you, no, I genuinely really struggle with some of the details, and I bet, listener, you feel the same way. So to test out how much recall people have of the whole Russian experience, Jonathan, I think you've got a question or two. I do, James, yes. Um First question, France went on to win the tournament, yep. but how did they open? What was how did they open their campaign? Do you, can you remember that, Matt? I can remember this the second astonishing. one. astonishing. Yes, I can, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that one open and see if you, if you can come up with that. Yeah, go on, fire the other ones at us and we'll, okay. we'll come up with some more later. How many goals did Panama concede in total and how many did they score? Oh, these are good. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got another? What was the score and who were the goalkeeper? Who were the goal scorers or the goalkeepers, David, um, when Uruguay played Russia in the final round of games in Group A? That's true. Meaningless game. Not a clue. Dead rubber. Was it? A bit of a dead rubber, yeah. Okay. What was there. the score and who were the keepers and, and who goal were the scorers goal scorers? And anything right. else about the match. No, yeah, listeners, put down that Google machine. Uh, right. Fantastic. Well, you've got this lovely book here, which, you know, we may as well plug since you're in, Jonathan, coincidentally. How convenient. I'm only a couple of days into your World Cup account and you're already chucking arrows with the aforementioned Delhi. Yeah, I mean, uh, I actually started that as a Facebook blog. I went to went to the World Cup really just looking for something to do. 
um, and thought I'd start sort of blogging on Facebook to to pass the time. Uh, and on day three, I found myself playing darts with with Deli Alley, um, and that was yeah, that 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 was a sort of th- thing that made me think. Well, I can't really write about this in the Sunday Times. I'll I'll put it on the blog. Uh, the blog until then had really been me just making really poor predictions of scores and right. picking out hackneyed players to watch that by reading World Soccer. But um, I uh, and I, listening I, to the Totally Football Show. I, I, you know what? That was a big part of my was World it? Cup prep. I listened to Sash telling me how uh, Russia were the worst team on record, <laughs> would, would win a point. <laughs> to be and, fair, with twenty-three hours of sunshine every day, <laughs> you had to find things to pass the time. This was it. I mean, the, the, there was a bit of a twilight zone in St Petersburg when I think day seven was the. Sort of basically the the midnight sun. It was, it was an all nighter, and apparently people in St Petersburg go absolutely mad on that date. And marriages are made, and people couples meet and break up and stuff. But we were all prepping for uh, England v Panama. Right, wild, mm, excellent. That's, that's what it's like. Okay, it wasn't all darts and unicorns, <laughs> inflatable ones, was it? We'll we'll touch on some more of your World Cup memories perhaps later on. But hey, listener, if your interest is piqued at this exotic sounding World Cup in Russia, we've got. Three copies of your book, Jonathan, uh, which we're going to give to people. You have to go to our Instagram page on the gram, listener. Our address there is at Totally Football Show. Just tell us which England player, past or present, you'd most want to play a sport or a game that isn't football with. Right. Oh, and why, says producer Ben. At Totally Football Show. Did you request that it was Deli Ali you played darts with? No, it, it, because if it was Kevin Trippier, it wouldn't have been a, a snappier title, would it? <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't. That's no, true. It yeah. was. A, it was a random draw. Um, but Jamie Vardy was a funny one because I think we we assumed that somehow that Vardy would be the Superman at darts, that that would be right mm. up his street, and he, he turned out to be the that gimlet eye suggested his yeah yeah, yeah. He, he was the very worst of all the, the English was darts. he he was he was he was clueless he got he, he was beaten. Delhi didn't really know much about darts by the looks of things. Uh-huh. He, he sort of threw it in the middle of the board. But uh, How was Harry Kane at darts? Harry, he was well prepared, uh, had a good mental routine, efficient, won his match, of course. Right. Dead eyed. Excellent. All right. Uh, well, super. Well, let's get on to uh, England in their current incarnation after this. You're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Right then, listeners, so Nations League back underway. Do you remember where we left it? In Group 1 of the A-League, world champions France are on top. Four points for them. Germany on one. Netherlands have none. Big game's coming up Saturday. It's Netherlands against Germany. And then on Tuesday, France take on Germany. In Group 2, everyone's beating Iceland. Switzerland did them 6-0. Then Belgium offered a ball measured 3-0. Now see what happens when those two play each other Friday in Brussels. Now, Group 3, Portugal lead with Poland and Italy on one point apiece. Poland and Portugal play this Thursday. Sunday's Poland-Italy clash is already a must-win game for both sides. And in Group 4, Spain are back in business. Off to a perfect start, beating both England 2-1 and Croatia 6-0. England face Spain on Tuesday, but first, Croatia in a relegation six-pointer. Spontaneity. Tick. Right. <laughs> England Croatia. Now that sounds familiar. It sounds a lot like the World Cup semi final. This is it. This is last chance time. It's headed away. Croatia can run away. Croatia reaches the World Cup final for the very first time. And after all that effort, 
all that energy. The ghost of 66 lives on for England. Now, last time, Jonathan, it was 2-1, of course, to the, the, to the Croats. Mm. Uh, Trippier opening the scoring, then Perisic and Mandzukic in, in extra time. This time around, it's not a World Cup semi-final, but it is an absolutely massive game. It couldn't be bigger, could it? Apart from being a World Cup semi-final, that would make it. <laughs> I mean, it was an odd. I don't know. That game in in Russia was a very odd one because you mentioned Trippier opening the scoring, and and I think he was he was possibly England's best or sort of most consistent player up to that point. Scored that great goal, but then of course. Um, he was absolutely destroyed in, in, in some ways by by Perisic in the match. Mm. So what you know what 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 sort, what sort of to make of that and uh, that, that sort of gave perspective on his performance. And then you know you had John Stones again was a, was a bit of a rock for England, but I think in that game Manzukic taught him taught him a few lessons. Mm. Well, no Manzukic this time round. With that in mind, mm. do, you, do, you, do we see it being different? Can England get revenge for the two one defeat, Matt? Yeah, I think they can. It, it's I mean it's different. Because it's going to be England's first in their 988th senior international first ever played behind closed doors, which oh. is always a real curiosity of a football match. You know, it's a, a tiny ground, a training ground, essentially. So Croatia actually quite used to playing behind closed doors. They've done it a few times in recent years. So what impact that has on the game will be interesting. I think Gareth Southgate's squad is, is quite interesting in and of itself and, and maybe reflects his attitude towards the Nations League. You know, he hasn't gone for people like Daniel Sturridge or maybe people in form like Callum Wilson. It looks like we're going to see Ben Chilwell because Luke Shaw and Danny Rose both dropped out the squad injured. So there's lots from, from an England perspective. They look like they've got a settled back three, but but as for the rest of it, are we going to see James Madison, Harry Winks, maybe even Mason Mount? You've seen quite a lot of Mason Mount, haven't you? Certainly have, yeah. I've seen him since... Um, since he was about 16 he started making waves in the in the Chelsea academy sides and he was quickly earmarked as one who would be um, who would be sent out on loan at an early age which he was with Vitesse last season uh, he was absolutely fantastic for them 10 goals and 7 assists obviously Eredivisie is not that high a standard of football but he's carried it on to his time uh, at Derby he won a couple of, couple of youth cups and um, the UEFA Youth League when he was with Chelsea, but really good fit for him having Jody Morris, who was his coach for a number of years, coming through at Derby. And a nice story uh, he told the media this week when Frank Lampard called him into his office and said, "Yeah, I think I'm going to drop you for a couple of games. Just kidding, you're in the England squad." <laughs> and then challenged him to try and get as many caps as Lampard did, which is um, quite an ass scene as Lampard got 106. But he is a player of real potential, and. and you know, there's there's the tendency to say this with Chelsea youth players. He's the one who's going to come through. But is he? He's certainly got a chance. What position are we talking about, Matt? Um, he's a he's a kind of he'd be playing in the three of midfield and under Sarri's system. So he'd probably be taking Kovacic or Ross Barkley's place. Okay, uh, I would assume. But I already think that he's he's a bit further on in his development than say Ruben Loftus Cheek. And obviously Loftus Cheek is not in the England squad, yeah. and Mount is, which would maybe maybe point to that. But he's he's definitely. A player of massive potential, but as Pat Nevin of this parish often says, it's just potential at this stage. You know, we've seen it before with Lewis Baker as one who's struggling to get a game at Leeds and Charlie Misonda, who we all thought was going to do great things when he was in the Chelsea youth team, couldn't get a game at Betis, couldn't get a game at Celtic, and now he's at Vitesse. So it, it's potential, but he's doing it in the Championship. So And, and clearly Southgate rates him. He was training with the England squad before the World Cup right. uh, to kind of make up the numbers. And he, he only made his under-21 debut last month, scored against Latvia, and he's been fast-tracked 
to the senior squad. So Very yeah, impressive. Good to have a look at him. Yeah. David, what do you make of the squad? And should Harry Kane be rested for this game? Um, not if they want to win the game, no, I don't think so. But, but if the, uh, the the big problem in the in the summer in the World Cup was the obviously the midfield area and not just from a creative sense, but also from real genuine midfielders controlling the game. And I always go back to, to when I first saw Nathaniel Chalabar playing. And at 18 years old, he was controlling games in the championship uh, on his own, dictating the pace of the game, controlling it with his passing, his range of passing. And I'd just like to see somebody in front of that back four who who will do that a little bit more? I know. Listen, uh, Jordan Henderson's he's capable of doing that, and if he's asked to do more than what he's asked to do at Liverpool, he's capable of doing that as well. But just thinking that midfield there, that's where we always seem to lose games, and uh, certainly against Croatia in the in the World Cup that happened. Chalab is actually the selection that's gone under the the mm. radar, I think, because because obviously we're all excited about Mount and, and and Sancho being in the squad, but the fact Chalab hasn't even played much you know mm. for, for, for Watford but but he's definitely somebody that not just Southgate but but the whole kind of FA development machine has, has been right behind and I, I thought it was a bit of a statement selection to put him in for I think so I think it's because then he's, he's right to, to to try and create this uh, like a club side so it's not it's not especially the the biggest names or the the players that are in the best form. It's going to be players who suit the way that he wants to play. And uh, there's nobody else. Well, there's not many players like him in the uh, in the round the squad. And I'd like to see him given a chance. Brilliant. Okay. The, the match being played behind closed doors, by the way, because somebody mowed a swastika into the pitch <laughs> when Croatia played Italy two years ago. I'm not sure. Might have been dyslexic Hindu or something. Uh, but anyway, that game, by the way, itself the. Uh, Croatia Italy game was itself behind closed doors, I believe, because of well racist chanting by fans against Norway. So there's some wrong uns there. That's that's for sure. Uh, things haven't been going too well for Croatia, David, since that World Cup. Well, final with France, they lost that, of course. Subajic and Mandzukic are both retired from international football, and and they kicked off their Nations League campaign by getting absolutely hammered six nil by Spain in Seville. What's the mood going into this clash with England in Rijeka? Well, let's hear from our special Croatian correspondent, Juraj Verdoliak. Juraj, thanks so much for joining us. Um, first question, what went wrong against Spain? Uh, um, a lot of things. Uh, Croatia did have a... They, they started well, actually. I mean, uh, they pressed really good, and that's one of the aspects of Croatian uh, play which really functions good for a longer period of time, even before the World Cup. But uh, after that first goal, uh, things just sort of fell apart. Um, some some decisions made by uh, uh, Zlatko Dalic were also really weird to, to include uh, Marco Rog of Napoli on the right back, didn't help the situation. Uh, and once uh, Spain got the first goal, uh, they just went ahead and uh, basically nothing functioned after that first goal so uh, it, it became a disaster really yeah. No Mandzukic or, or Subasic after the World Cup is there a sense that that was the high watermark for Croatia that now you're a little bit on the, the downward trend um, well, yeah, it was always going to be an issue because Croatia was, uh, as we were telling uh, during the World Cup, uh, it was uh, it was an aging squad. It still is an aging squad. And uh, the issue with the older players leaving was always there. It was never really going to go away. The issue is uh, with the strikers. Uh, we lost Mandzukic and uh, Kalinic uh, at the same time, which is 
really a big thing to lose for any team, let alone Croatia, who doesn't have that big pool of players ready to fit in, especially with high expectations. So, yeah, that was always going to be an issue uh, in the terms of, you know, finding a suitable replacements for the strikers without changing the formation or changing the style of play, because now you have Kramaric uh, returning and uh, you have Rebic as well. But, you know, Apart from them, you don't really have a, a striker that's fit. We tried with Santini of Anderlecht, but he's this target man who is really one-dimensional. He has a certain quality, but he is still one-dimensional, so that won't do it in uh, in long term, right. especially with the expectation. So w- what are your hopes for Croatia's chances of bouncing back from that 6-0 against England? Well, uh uh, as far as the England game goes, Zlatko Dalic has uh, a couple of problems because uh, injuries struck Croatia really badly. Shima Versalko is now declared unfit. Our first choice goalkeeper, Lovre Kalinic, is also injured with a knee injury. And whoever replaces him, uh, three goalkeepers who are in rotation basically have one cap between themselves. Uh, so the right back's an issue, uh, goalkeeper's an issue. Marcelo Brozovic is also out. Uh, so it'll be a, a tough game uh, once again. Still, at least we... at least you do have the number one player in the world, though. Uh, you're right, in Luka Modric. Is he any more popular yeah. now in Croatia now that he is the world's best officially? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's all it's always going to be a broad issue about about him. Uh, he 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 is hugely popular, no doubt about it. Uh, but. His famous perjury case has now been put on hold because of a procedural mistake, uh, apparently. So people started to think whether that's because of the fact that he's declared the best in the world, uh, that he still has a good chance of winning the Ballon d'Or. So people kind of related it to that and got a bit disappointed as well. But of course, he's, you know, there's no doubt he's the best player Croatia ever had now. And it's hard to see who will uh, change him in that position. One of these sides is heading for relegation. David, which one's it going to be? Uh, I don't know. Just the pessimist in me says England. <laughs> really? Yeah. Sorry but the Croatia are really struggling. Would yeah, you say? but uh, it, it, teams always, you know, when they come against us, they'll always find a way. I don't think. Uh, yeah, they've maybe a bit more streetwise, but you see about um, their three goalkeepers have only got one cap between them. Yeah, but we've got to get shots on goal to make that count, though, James. Mm. You know, if we can get that far forward, if we're not controlling the game. So yeah, the, 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 you're right in saying that it could be a, a plus point. Yeah, but I'm, I'm surprised that they, they haven't got. I don't know what the structure's like below, sort of the the, the full team, and whether they've got like the. the the correct pathway for players come through, but been Croatia quite a few times and uh, talking just before about uh, Novigrad third uh, third division side, seeing play quite a bit and some of the players they've got there just r- ridiculously good talented right. players, and uh, yeah, and I know there's a there's an issue with uh, with owners and registrations and you know if you if you don't play a ball with the with the owners and uh, the hierarchy of clubs then you've got no chance of well that that's part of the issue with with with, the, course, with yeah. Modric and that perjury trial which curiously has suddenly developed this uh, procedural problem Croatia so many ways to beat England from great players to clumps of grass what do you think Jonathan? <laughs> um, I, I think they look on a bit of a, a downer at the moment Croatia because of, of 
you know the problems we've talked about, and I, I think Brozovic being out is a big mm. big deal. I thought the, the the maybe the biggest single factor in that the last time they played was just how completely Croatia controlled the sort of tempo of the game, and a lot of it actually came from came from him. Rakitic and, and Modric were superb as well, but I think that's a big miss for him, and may, maybe just the fact that Gareth has gone for young players in this game might. Might help England because you know this Nations League. It, it, they'll 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 find meaning in it, even if we don't. And I wonder if those senior Croatian players will find quite as much meaning in it. Yeah, young players, but some of whom are racking up some really amazing experience. We, I'm not sure. Did we mention Jaden Sancho? No. Because that's the other fresh name in there who's, who's been doing brilliantly for Borussia Dortmund, Matt. Yeah, he has. Um, Mr. Assister, basically, at the start mm. of the season in, in the Bundesliga and spoke very well um, to the media earlier this week. Um, they kept trying to kind of push him on why did you leave Manchester City? And he was, well, I'm not particularly interested in talking about that because I'm here representing England. And, and the kind of assumption that, well, you know, you'll be, you'll be back to the Premier League as soon as possible. And, and he sort of shrugged that off and, and laughed at talk of £100 million transfers and whatever. Um, really somebody who's a leading light maybe for, for English players in the future in that he's, you know, he's not gone on loan to Germany for a season. He, he's right. gone there permanently. You'd, one would assume that Manchester City will have first dibs on him if he decides to come back at any stage but to be playing where he's playing in a Dortmund team that are doing so brilliantly at the start of this season you know in front of what 80,000 people every week why would you want to why would you want to come back to to sit on the bench yeah I'd be in front of no people of course this weekend (laughs) yeah maybe that'll throw him yeah Yeah. I I went to see him in um, in March and it was it was I mean, it made me think what a great club Dortmund are for, for a young player in their development because although they've got the 80,000, they've got a very sort of humble training ground. They've got that German model of, of, of fans getting in to, to watch training. It, it, it feels very, very sort of low-key and, and quite a good sort of friendly place for someone like him to, to develop. And um, I, I know, for example, that the, the FA are quite excited about the fact that being in Germany means that he'll be doing interviews, he'll be doing media all the time, he'll be allowed to grow up a little bit more quickly than a an English academy or even just an English young Premier League player is Mm. allowed to. So in terms of life experience, and he's a kid that's come through a lot already. I mean, him him sort of saying that he didn't even watch the the 2014 World Cup on his own telly because he didn't have a telly just tells you where where someone like him has come from. I I think it's a great point that about what uh, players coming into this country and coming into the Premier League from outside, they've got ahead of the the younger players here. It it does force you to to grow up and mature. Because you went abroad, didn't you? Yeah, but I was... Well, I mean, I wasn't mature. I was thirty, but it doesn't mean I was mature. Like, did you grow I was up? Growing up, I did. Yeah, I mean, I, I became a father and everything. Do you know what I mean? So it was, yeah, yeah so it was good in that respect. Croatia England is on Friday, but there are other exciting Nations League games. Many others, listener. We'll talk about some of those. Only a few after this. He lines up to hit it, and yes, it's deflected for a corner. That's over 12 corners. Yes. <coughs> no time to take it, though. It's finished nil-nil. What a result. Sorry, our fault. You see, with same-game multi-bets from Paddy Power, you can combine multiple selections from one match into one bet, and you'll get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold same-game multi-bet lets you down. Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. Applies to pre-match four-fold same-game multi-bets on UK and top European leagues. Max free bet £10 per customer per day. Minimum odds. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18plusbgumbleware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Croatia-England clashing, of course, Matt, with uh, the other big Friday night appointment, 8 o'clock Channel 5 Model Railway Challenge. It's had some which... really good reviews on Twitter, I Yeah, saw. it has, actually. Thanks for that. 
Uh, right, OK. Uh, other bits of Nations League, listener. Uh, we're in the second tier, League B, as it's known. Northern Ireland are there. They're in a group with Bosnia-Herzegovina, who can pretty much wrap up the group, actually. They're already six points clear of Northern Ireland and Austria after a slightly fortuitous win over a Michael O'Neill's side in the opening game. And Northern Ireland taking on Austria on Friday night. That's a, a big game. Then they go to Bosnia Monday, that game in Sarajevo. Bailey Peacock-Farrell. David, tell me more. Yeah, it's just a young goalkeeper who's blossomed, especially under uh, Marcello, uh, Marcelo Bielsa. Mm. Um, he was somebody who was, the, he was highly thought of at Leeds, and then he went out to uh, play four games for York. Uh, I saw one of those games, and he didn't do very well at all. Okay. Uh, and he went two years between making his debut and, and making his second appearance for for Leeds but this season uh, he's just blossomed and he's just, right. he, look, he looks a great goalkeeper he'll be minding the net for Northern Ireland will he? Uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure I, I would have thought so on, the, on, on current form Michael McGovern isn't playing for, for Norwich so uh-huh. I'd, I'd imagine he would be OK also in League B Wales and Ireland are in that group with Denmark Ireland very much bottom on nil points they host Denmark on Saturday seeking revenge for the 5-1 defeat the Danes gave them in the playoffs last year. And then they'll have Wales on Tuesday seeking revenge for that 4-1 defeat that the Welsh gave them in Cardiff just last month. O'Neill and Keane in, in some trouble here, although there's no, no Christian Eriksen. Mm, out for the foreseeable by the yeah, looks of things. Yeah, that sounds a bit Darren Fletcher-esque. Am I reading that wrong? Uh, well, they, it was somebody from the Danish team described it as a chronic problem, didn't they? Mm. Which, uh, yeah, never sounds good. But, mm, yeah, mm. I'm not sure what, I fancy He's addicted to marijuana. He's got a chronic problem. Right. I know which doctor he should see. <laughs> hey. Right. Anyway, uh, Wales, by the way, have a friendly with Spain. Spain. Are you excited about this, Jonathan? Very excited, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No Jordi Alba, of course, because he doesn't get on with uh, Enrique. Diego Costa also is still missing. But you know who has got a call up? Johnny Otto out of that uh, of Wolves. Quite right, too. He's hmm? in my fantasy team because he called Johnny. Brilliant. He's okay. doing well for me, no, too. I, yeah. Uh, Wales won't be fielding Gareth Bale for that clash, apparently. He's being held back for Tuesday's game away in Ireland. But they do have other talents. Ross, for example, says, How excited can Wales be about a spine of Ethan Ampadu, Brooks and Lawrence? Matt? Very excited, I would think. Ethan Ampadu was absolutely sublime against Ireland uh, last month and um, he's he's a star of the future, no doubt. He's been unlucky not to get any minutes for Chelsea this season, but I think he might against uh, Barté in a couple of weeks' time. Um, Brooks, obviously, 2-2 two two for Bournemouth. Um, I really like Harry Wilson as well. And there's a great oh, yeah. story about him. He earned his first cap in, in 2013. He didn't get his second until earlier this year. But his granddad won £125,000 because he'd put 50 quid on at 2500 to one. He came on as, as an 87th minute substitute against Belgium. Um, so, yeah, he's a good player. He's on loan at Derby this season. And also Tyler Roberts, who uh, came into the team last month, striker for Leeds. He's averaging a goal every other game in the championships. They've got a, a really, really good blend. You've got Ben Davis, Aaron Ramsey, Joe Allen, people like that still around the squad. Uh, Wales have got a strong squad. They were poor in Denmark in their second game, but mm. I don't know how well they do against Spain. Not that it particularly matters because it's a friendly, but I would fancy them to beat Ireland in, right. in Ireland. And Ryan Giggs not the total bust that some people thought he might prove to be on the sidelines. I really can't tell because they beat a very, very average Ireland side. But yeah. He's done okay so far, but as I say, he's got a great squad of players to work with, so he should be able to get a tune out of but them. I think they'd be in real trouble if they lose on Purdue. They'll be in real trouble. If, if he gets injured, they'll be up creek without Ampado. My word. <laughs> Strong language. Yeah, indeed. Ampadu's, <laughs> um, he's an interesting case because I think he is, 
he's influenced the FA actually in, in what's happened subsequently with Declan Rice. I mean, losing a a talent like him, which which you know he chose to go to Wales at, at an early age because Wales did all the the groundwork and the courting and and, and there was a, his link with his father. But I think that's one of the major things that that's redoubled England to try and nab some of these younger players and right. and, and put in the the work they did in getting Declan Rice to to switch switch codes as it were. And Padu push pineapple. Brian Coffey. <laughs> and his, his, at club as well, you know, you'd have thought he would have gone to Arsenal because his dad's the under-18s coach, but he chose to go to Chelsea instead. All right. Interesting. Young man. players pushing free, breaking out of the envelope. Nice. Down in League C, where O'Neill's side may be heading, we find Scotland. And Scotland, by contrast, Jonathan, are looking good. You're Scottish, aren't you? Well, I am, and we're riding high in the in in the. It's our best ever start to the Nations League, I think, with our uh, <laughs> historic win. It felt like a historic win actually against Albania because it had been so long since there'd been any victory of any any sort. Right. Although actually, there's a, there's a there's some sort of weird unbeaten run that, that Scotland have gone on in 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 kind of competitive games, but you know none of them have counted in any sense because we've we've been out of qualification picture when we've played them but it's a, it is a big game um in in Israel for Scotland because you know they probably are the the, the main competitors in the group and uh, there's just this specter of Euro 2020 there's games being held at Hampden Park it's the closest we'll ever come to hosting a tournament and and it would be the most Scotland thing ever to actually not qualify for a tournament but we're, we're hosting I, I so thought come we discussed on. last time it's almost nailed on you have to win i think was it two more games two more games to to, to be get there a, to get into the playoffs, I think. Right, so three, win yeah. three games in you there. But the next game's away in Israel, where everybody mm. wins. Only Andorra and Liechtenstein have not won since in the last three years, effectively, there. Yeah, and, and, and they are, um, I think they're without Kyle, and uh, Tom Ahmed is injured, and it's all set up for Stephen Naismith to put them to the sword. Right. Uh, they've got Moanis Dabur, who scored twice for Salzburg against Celtic just last week in the Europa League. But Scotland, of course, have James Forrest, who's on Four fire goals. in exactly yeah. the kind of incident that the UN have been warning us about <laughs> so what four goals for him at the weekend four goals at the weekend and, and anyone that's scoring is, is worth the weight in gold for, for us and we've also got Johnny Russell who's tearing it up mm. in America for, for Kansas City Stephen Naismith having a, a little bit of an Indian summer so for once that part of the pitch which has always been our, our, our sort of downfall is looking okay you're an Aberdeen fan, aren't you? I am. I, I I grew up in the glory days. I was very lucky, but also got to see that, that them. That means when I was playing for them. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I once met this man in in, in, a, in a Starbucks in Union Street, which yeah. was... Oh, did, of, you? Yeah, did you? Nice. OK. They're about the only side that's not ahead of Rangers at the moment. <laughs> is it, is it, is Aberdeen yeah. is seventh, are they? Uh, I think believe fit, so, just below. Fifth. Yeah. Anyway, you'll, you'll get your chance, I'm sure. Uh, other games coming up, internationally speaking, all on Saturday. This is big. Netherlands, Germany. One of the, the real blue-chip European rivalries there. Both teams looking for a first win in the section. Germans, in fact, have only won one of the last com- four competitive games. You excited about that, David, Matt, no. Jonathan? No? Really? I am. Yeah, good. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Explain to him, Jonathan. Well, you, you know, Germany trying to bounce back from the the World Cup, maybe going to try and build the team more around Joshua Kimmich and and Goretzka and some of the younger players. They play they play France on the Tuesday, which mm. is going to be a big game for them. Nil nil last time. Um, nil nil last time. We've got um, Holland under Koeman, who is trying to rebuild, you know, his own reputation a little bit. Has already fallen out with Van Dijk a little bit. Ooh. Said Van Dijk was too laid back, which was quite an odd. 
odd sort of point to make, given that composure has been, you know, one of his the mainstays of his. Also, career. they're Dutch. Well, he has to find something to fall out about, <laughs> yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot in that game. Okay, cool. Be interesting to see if Leroy Sané gets some some minutes as well back in the squad, obviously, and, and what Tony Crow said about him him last time and him leaving. But you can't think about this fixture without seeing Rudy Voller and Frank Rijkaard. <laughs> well, indeed. Can I just say that I, I am actually quite excited about this fixture. Okay. I just I just wasn't listening to you, James. Oh, really? I what did yeah. you think I was yeah. talking about? I have no idea. I just said no. All right. Are you, <laughs> David Priest, excited about the huge game? And this is the last one we'll do promise listener the huge game on Sunday it's Poland Italy can't wait absolutely can't wait I mean this is big Poland do have a game uh, this evening Thursday against Portugal which is pretty big because Portugal on top of this little group Um, Poland who had a draw with Italy in Bologna in, in September they've not beaten the Italians since 1974 but if they do again this time it could be catastrophic for the Azuri who prepared for this themselves by failing to win again at home to Ukraine. And a friendly they, they had at uh, Luigi Ferraris, the Marassi, uh, in on, uh, in, to raise money for the victims of the bridge disaster there in, in, in Genoa, a 1-1 there. Uh, they've now had one win in their last seven games, Italy, and that was against Saudi Arabia. So, you know, we talk a bit more about uh, Italy and the, the squad and that in Golazzo this week, which is largely dedicated to kind of wallowing around in, in, in Italia 90, the extraordinary pigs in troughs corruption that uh, surrounded the tournament and, of course, the glorious players and sometimes football that uh, came about on the pitch. Oh, of course, Poland have Krzysztof Piontek, who plies his trade in Genoa and is currently on 13 goals in eight matches for uh, Genoa, who, despite being doing pretty well, have just fired their manager and brought back the man who fired twice in his last two uh, visits to the general bench he's been fired on both occasions so they've replaced the guys doing quite well with him uh, anyway we're going to take a quick pause listener on the other side of which there's some fascinating topics scandal in belgium dulwich hamlet why now might be a good time to bid for edson cavani and other things too all awaits you in mere seconds you're listening to the totally football show sponsors of melchester rovers Find out more at RoyTheRoversOfficial.com. Woohoo! Here's some questions for you. Adam Gordon, if the guests had ranked countries by their national anthems, who would be in their top three? Oh, also, if that's not meaty enough for you, if you could introduce one new rule in international football, what would it be? Adam suggests five aside if games go to extra time. That's a good suggestion. <laughs> David, what do you think? Were you listening? No, <laughs> I was trying to think of the my favourite um, national anthem. National anthem yeah. It's Russia. Is that what it is? It's is it? surely Russia. No, well, I mean, it's not a national anthem per se, but Flower of Scotland. Oh yeah. When? when no. Uh, do, well, do, why, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. I went to watch um, Scotland against Nigeria, Petodri, while I was up there, and like there was a full house, and everyone was sort of banging it out. The hair stood up back my neck. A beautiful moment. Really? Yeah. I almost felt Scottish. Okay, I don't like it. Do you not? What do you like? I think it's yeah, it's a bit mawkish. I know, but Aberdeen's like a sort of it's um, it's a principality inside. uh, It is inside Scotland. It's yeah, we are our own autonomous uh, sort of superior region. But I've never liked Flower of Scotland. It's it's a modern kind of mawkish 
folk song really I'd, I'd go for some Robbie Burns or something okay very nice Matt what do you think Chile Italy and Wales would be my, my okay. top three I, I, Chile how I does the Chilean one go um, I can't really sing it but I've just got this image of it at World Cup 98 of Ivan Zamorano just belting it out and there's a big sort of finish to it which is um, which is quite spectacular so always had a had a, a liking for that for applause like that that's uh, that's a solid ending it's a spine tingler isn't it yeah yeah absolutely lovely okay let's move on to another question gingerbread quotes the raven says what's everyone doing for non-league day Ooh, it's not long non-league day but matt you've got a solid suggestion for dulwich hamlet yeah it's definitely worth a mention um it's tonight but uh, if you're in the south london area crystal palace have very kindly sent a team down to play against dulwich hamlet who as we know are playing their games at tooting and mitcham these days um because they've been kicked out of their own ground essentially but they've only got one home game in october and they're very much hand-to-mouth at the moment so they Mm. need the um the match day ticketing revenue so Palace have agreed to, to play this friendly. People like Max Meyer will be, will be uh, involved, Jason Punchin, Connor Wickham, Yara Riedewald, uh, Scott Dan, Joel Ward. So if you can get down there, do it. But if not, save dulwichhamlet.org.uk. Lots of ways you can get involved in, in petitioning to try and stop the club going to the wall, which unfortunately looks like a possibility. Right. Quite the fixture, that. And, and well done, Palace. First team players and manager Roy Hodgson. Mm-hmm. Dulwich Hamlet hosting Crystal Palace. A bit of a mismatch, but maybe Palace can get something from it. I'm not sure. Maybe a draw. We'll see. Anyway, uh, adults £10. Uh, it's a 7pm kickoff. Gates open at 5.30. And uh, concessions and Dulwich Hamlet FC season ticket holders, £5. James asks, with uh, Jardim now without a club, would he be a good option for United if they sacked Jose? David Priest. You a big Leonardo Jardim fan? Not particularly, no. All right, Jonathan, do you have a view on the erstwhile Monaco manager? I do. I think he's. I think he's really good. Apart from the the Portuguese element, he would. He'd certainly bring a bit of joy and flair to United. Doesn't seem very United-like in that he likes to work with sort of young players <laughs> and bring them to not quite the current. Well, they used to do. Yeah, they did, yeah, but yeah. not the, not the current day models. So much. Wasn't there an element of luck to the success he's had there, though? Uh, well. He kept them competitive despite yeah, but, selling the club from under him. Yeah, I suppose. But, I mean, it, 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 they weren't playing under his style. It was forced upon him. He's more defensive coach than... Well, than I think he was... Def- I'm probably way beyond my kind of skill set here. But uh, as I recall, he was known for his defensive football when he was in Portugal, which was probably what earned him the job. But then he certainly was at the helm for a sustained period, a very attractive play, which saw them win the French title and go deep, go deep in the <laughs> Champions League. Yeah, I mean, he, and, and he he did something with with Mbappe and Thomas Lamar, and 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 maybe maybe he evolved as a coach. But he he, he had he's got a certain gravitas to him. He looks like he could handle a big job. But whether anyone can handle United at the moment is is, is another matter. That's a, a fair point. Thierry Henry hasn't been officially confirmed yet. I don't think, but the notion is that he will be taking over in the Principality, eschewing a move to Aston Villa, who. In his place have gone for Dean Smith, who joins from a Brentford side, who are three points and eight places above Villa in the table. Uniquely, 
he won't be bringing his own assistant, but it has had uh, John Terry foisted upon him. Daniel's story saying that's going to be a slightly odd strategy, uh, appointing a new manager and telling him who his assistant's going to be. Yeah, it is, but it's a great appointment. And I've, I've seen a bit of Brentford over the last couple of seasons and, and the type of football that they play is really, really easy on the eye and he's got good championship experience, whereas if they'd gone for the Henri-Terry double act, obviously you wouldn't get that, even though it's in vogue with, with your, your Lampards and your, and your Gerrards to, to pick that kind of generation of players. But, but Dean Smith, thoroughly knowledgeable about the division. Um, I'm not sure how much money the new Villa owners have got, but he can work with limited resources he's proven and and as was mentioned on Monday you know John Terry's not everybody's cup of tea certainly in the media but people who play with him love him so right. he knows that squad as well so it might actually work out quite well I guess it's just whether Smith might feel he's stepping on his toes and, yeah. and he's the next manager in waiting I think there's a, there's a couple of things for me here one like you just said there it's the, the focus today from the owners was on John Terry not the new manager just seeing how pleased he was and how oh, really? how much of a great job he's going to do. Yeah, I think that was that might be one of the tweets that, the, that Dan was uh, referring to. No mention of the manager, but of, of JT. And also, the difficulty going from dressing room to coaching staff room uh, for John Terry. He knows all the players on, uh, sort of like on a personal level. And, OK, he went in there as a type of leader and sort of... He probably would have been an intermediate between sort of Steve Bruce and the, and the side a little bit. But, yeah, that'll be a difficult one. Okay, does make you fear a bit for Dean Smith the, yeah, the way, the way, the way so, it's yeah. been done because I mean he, he's he's been putting his hand up trying to get that job for for quite some time you know putting his Villa credentials out there and it look, does look rather look like they've they've gone for a couple of stars and then arrived back at him but with with the stardust of Terry it might work in the opposite way you know the focus off the manager might allow him just to get on with the job but you can see when they go the first time they dug out all the cameras are going to be on JT. Yeah. All right, moving along, Nitz says. Uh, thoughts on the scandal in Belgium? What scandal in Belgium, Matt? Are you across this? Nope. Okay, so um, Belgian authorities have launched investigations into financial fraud and possibly match-fixing. There were 44 raids this week in Belgium, 13 more coordinated in France, Luxembourg, Cyprus, Montenegro, Serbia and Macedonia. None in Italy. This is bizarre. <laughs> um, according to local media, Belgium's best-known agent a former Andalek club official, and the current uh, Bruges coach, uh, Ivan Leko, are among those being questioned. So, you know, could be something brewing there or not. I don't know, but thanks, Nitz, for... There is, there is something odd about Belgian football in terms of... of who, something odd who about can, Belgium. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 I think somebody told me the second division in Belgium, something like 13 of the clubs are owned by foreign investment companies or foreign owners, which... <clears throat> may not be because of a lifelong love of Belgian football. Possibly um, so. Might be to- isn't it easier to? Isn't it only two <clears throat> years to get a, a Belgian passport in? A, mm. You know, if you if you arrive there from outside the EU. Yeah, is that right? that, that's why the uh, what it's, was the club? Was it? Uh, Be- was it Beveren? There's Beveren, uh, United had Royal Antwerp at one point. Yeah, exactly. So they just bring players through from outside the EU and sort of. The Leicester owners yeah. own one as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, well, yeah. He's, he's out there, isn't he? Nice, yeah, Nigel, yeah, nice pieces. pieces out there. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. In other news, is it time to bid for Edison Cavani? I'm saying yes after what I read about the Paris Saint-Germain passing stats. Have you seen these, Jonathan? No. Okay. So you've got you know, obviously Cavani and Bappe mm, yeah. and that fellow Neymar there. So uh, recent, you know, I think this is for this season. 
Neymar passes to Mbappé 25% of the time. OK, that's great. Yeah. Mbappé pa- passes to Neymar 31% of the time. That's great. Mm-hmm. Now, those two players passing stats with Cavani are 5% and 0.5%. <laughs> Neymar passes to Cavani 0.5% wow. of the time. Against Red Star Belgrade... PSG, by the way, here had 75% possession. Neymar didn't make a single pass to Cavani, and Mbappe only made two. And the 40 minutes, they were all three of them on the pitch against Lyon. Cavani didn't receive a single pass from the other two. It happens. That's though. amazing. It, it does happen. When um, Ian McGeady was out in Spartak Moscow, yeah. he was. Uh, I think they had three Brazilians playing for the ta- at the time. So a friend of a friend, you know, we went to see uh, went to see him when they played Chelsea and. Uh, and he just he just said, watch before, watch when you're watching the game. He says they won't pass to me because they've all got sort of their own individual bonuses or whatever, and they keep the ball between themselves. So out the front four, out the front four players, three of them were were Brazilian, and we, we watched the game against uh, against Chelsea. And literally, Aiden, all he he, he tried to do what he he does with the ball, just try to take people on. And when the other three had the ball, mm. not, and even when he was free out wide and trying to put him in on a goal. Turned out the other way and went the other side. Right. I mean, it, it does work. PSG beat Leon in that game five nil, and Mbappe scored four goals. Cavani got got none. Apparently, there was this interview in, or sorry, there was an article in uh, L'Equipe which suggested that players that he used to be close to, Cavani, have all gone, and now he's he's feeling all left out. He's not, he's not going to score if they don't pass from them, is he? I'm sorry. He's not going to score if they don't pass through him. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, other players could pass him, well, like Verratti yeah. and yeah. that. It's a bit like the, the the Torres Drogba. You must have watched that that one very closely. But I remember there was a there was a point where we were so obsessed by them not passing to each other. You were observing the kickoffs to see you know what the body language was like when they they rolled the ball to each other. It helped Drogba, didn't it? He, I mean, he invited, it motivated him, but not necessarily helped Torres. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cavani has got five goals in six league and games this season, so he's not doing too badly, is he? Right. Storm in a teacup, you think, Matt? Well, it's, it's a hangover from the Neymar thing last season, wasn't it? When he took mm. a took a penalty off him, they, they obviously don't get along. I guess not. Raúl says, "Why are Europe's heavyweights, unlike PSG, slumping domestically this season? World Cup hangover? Question mark. Complacency? Question mark. We did touch on this on Monday when Sasha was uh, opining that the reason that Bayern are struggling, apart from the fact that they've not really bought anyone uh, and players getting old like Ribéry and." And Robin, is is the fact that so many good young managers are, are, are working at the uh, the other Bundesliga sides, and Niko Kovac isn't maybe the the most reliable of people to give give the job to. Otherwise, there's not really a common reason. I mean, the big clubs who are struggling would be Bayern, Real Madrid, and Barcelona, who are yeah. not top but not not far off it. Man United, I suppose. Who else? Oh, and Monaco, of course. But then Monaco is a very yeah. special case. I suppose it's. I suppose it is the Bayern. And Real Madrid think there are parallels there. I mean, they've they both failed to really invest in the squads because it looks like in both cases that they're, they're thinking that next summer is going to be the one where the old guard finally sort of run out and they they have to splurge. And 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 they've both made slightly odd sort of managerial choices. But mm. I think I think Manchester United are their own unique sort of imperfect storm, aren't they? And and Monaco are cyclical. Right. Club. But I guess the other answer to this is let's check again in. March or indeed May and see just how much these big clubs are are struggling Now Jonathan thank you very much for coming in today I, d- I did mention at the start I'd be interested to hear your your kind of chief workout memory what was your favourite moment of the, the, the month or so in Russia yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this actually. It was it was pro- it was probably Nizhny Novgorod, which which hmm? turned out to be my 
I think that's the best place I visited just because, you know, it was it was a Russia was a sort of story of being much better than expected, full of little hidden gems and and um, you know I quite enjoyed Samara. Somebody said it was the most ugly city in, in in the world, and you know it's the home of the Russian space program. Yuri Gagarin, the joke, the Russian joke is that he was trying to put as much distance between himself and Samara as possible <laughs> when he went to space. That was a lovely place, but Nizhny Novgorod was was really sort of vibrant. Had a great night out. Ended up having sort of craft beer in a place called Astro Lager, I think was the the, the bar. Hmm. And then getting in a... Russia's got this sort of version of Uber called Yandex, which is better than Uber, actually, because um, it pulls in, you know, taxi taxis from, from absolutely everywhere. They, they, they come within a couple of minutes. And I ended up getting in this Uber taxi after this night out. Um, it was a Lada. There was a young guy. He was playing sort of Russian hip-hop, and then it sort of switched to Buster Rhymes and... You know, it was just this great sort of journey back through the, the estates in Nizhny Novgorod, maybe many on Astrolaga, that, that helped. And um, and and then at the end of it, he he, he he sort of got his Google Translate app out, which was another big feature of Russia. We were all communicating via that. And I you know, I I did the I did this sort of old journalist thing, can I have a receipt please? And and he, he sort of typed spent ages typing into this app and this little message sort of pinged back saying, um, this is not designated currency, but please accept this uh, this this note. It can be your memory of Nizhny Novgorod. Oh. And he handed me a plastic 100 ru- rubles note, which I treasure now in, right. in my office at home. And it just summed up the kind of randomness of and and pleasure of of, of Russia, actually, which was so much better than than, than I'd, I'd imagined. Right, excellent. Hey, complicated answer. No, no, <laughs> a good one. Redolent. In, in, in Russian mm. memories, um, what was uh, what were the answers though to those three questions? Now they were, yeah. who who was France's opening game against in the World Cup? David, no idea. They won the game though, didn't they? They did win the game. It was Australia. That's right, Matt. Two nil. No, uh, Yedinak scored a penalty and then they won two That's one. It. Two one. Ah, right. Late yeah. goal, wasn't it? So that was mm. a Saturday lunchtime, I think, wasn't it? Mm. Maybe it was. Anyway, it was okay. Boom. Um, Question two was. Well, question two is how many goals did Panama concede and how many did they score? Right, in total in the in World total Cup. In total, not so leaving aside the England game, what else? Happened? Right, so it'd be what, about kind of 11? I'll, go, total, for, I'll go for nine. James, it's 11. Ooh. It is 11, yeah. Scored yeah, that makes two? Sense. Yes. They scored two, scored did against they? against England and Tunisia. Right, who was, yes. who was the goal scorers then? Uh, pass. <laughs> right. <laughs> It was a very excited defender at a set piece against England, wasn't it? Because mm. it was their first World Cup goal, wasn't it? It was 6-0 six, six ah, right. yeah, and he yeah. scored and it was a lovely moment. Brilliant. But I don't know the answer now. OK, sorry about that. So if you're <laughs> hanging on, if you listen to all of this just to find out, it is Google. And what about the third one? Do you have an answer well, for that? Well, the third one uh, was... What was the question again? It, yeah, it was what was the score and who were the goal scorers when yeah. Uruguay played Russia. Oh, yeah, in a dead in, rubber. It was a bit of a dead rubber in Group A. And, I, I, and and if you can remember the goalkeepers as well. I have literally no recollection of this game at all. David, what about you? Well, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have said Musler and Akinfeyev, but I mean... Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah. Well, those are the goalkeepers, the, the goal scorers. Well, that's not my job. Goals? The goal scorers. Well, Russia will have won the game, did they? I have no memory of this one. No, no. I, think, I think Russia had tailed off by this point, hadn't they? Russia were resting. Right. Russia were resting. So we've mentioned one of the goal scorers already. Okay, Cavani. Cavani. Oh, right, okay. With the other ones. Suarez. The other? Yes, yes, yes. And the other one was actually um, prolific at the World Cup, but for his own nation. Oh, it was an own goal, was it? It was an own goal. Right, so uh, Cherisev? By Cherisev. Cherisev, who now is in all sorts of trouble, of course. 
because uh, of that, you know, mm. substances. Mm. All right. Okay, well, brilliant. Thank you so much for that, John. <laughs> I love a quiz. Um, ideally, I'd have some idea about the answers, but even so, it's just <laughs> fun. Um, anyway, with that, that almost wraps it up for today's Totally Football Show. But before we go, just returning to those exciting Nations League games coming up over the weekend, we've got some odds on those fixtures. Producer Ben's been speaking to Paddy Power. Thank you, Jim. Both time to speak to Lee Price from Paddy Power. Lee, let's talk about England versus Croatia. Give me the overall odds on this and, uh, and perhaps the first goal scorer market in what is bound to be a match with an electric atmosphere. This brings back painful memories for me. Uh, last time they played, I was there. I was weeping in the crowd. Uh, so let's hope not for that. Actually, the odds here are very, very close because home advantage is basically ruled out. Croatia and England almost the same price. The home team six to four, England two to one, and the draws twenty-one to ten. But who knows? And you've got a money back special on this one as well. Oh yes, we have, and I think it's a good one actually. Money back as a free bet if Harry Kane scores, and that applies to losing first, last, eight-time goal scorers, correct score, and what odds Paddy markets? Max refund ten pound. TNCs apply. Well, that's Croatia. Let's go ahead to Monday, where England travelled to Spain um, in another Nations League game. Uh, Spain beat Croatia 6-0. They've beaten England as well. Uh, what are the odds on them getting three or more in this game? <laughs> Your Irish colours are shining through, Ben. Um, but actually, it's just 3-1 to one that Spain scored three or more goals past the lovely Jordan Pickford. Um, and actually, speaking of scoring, uh, Christoph Piatek, who Jimbo loves at Genoa, and he's been tearing up Serie A, is 9-5 to five to score his first international goal for Poland. That sounds like free money to me if Jimbo's tips are right. You mentioned Serie A there, Lee. Uh, let's stick with Italy. Um, they're not doing too well. They haven't done very well in international football for a really long time. Could they get relegated from their Nations League group? They could. Um, I watched them against Ukraine last night, and they were terrible. But somehow they're still fifth favourites to win the Nations League at 10-1, to 1, so I've no idea what's going on. But we make it just 6-4, to 4, they get relegated from Group A3, which really would be humiliating. And let's talk about one of the glamour ties from international football. Germany are in Amsterdam to take on Holland. Um, some good games between these two over the years, as we've been discussing in the show. What are the odds, though, on a red card? Yeah, some fantastic games between these two, although their last meeting was nil-nil. So maybe a red card is our best hope of excitement. It's 5-1, to 1, which is a pretty standard price, actually, for a red card. You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus only, begambleaware.org, and when the fun stops, stop. Monday sees Totally Football Show return with Daniel Story, Jack Lang, and Raphael Honigstein, who can review the Netherlands game and look forward to that almighty clash with France. So that would be nice. Uh, use your free time in the meanwhile, listener, by uh, diving into Jonathan's book Deadlines and Darts with Delhi. Have you got any more books on the way, Jonathan? Uh, no, thankfully not. No. Right. no. You can also <laughs> uh, pleasure your ears with David's number one podcast. Yeah, we're back in business now. We had a little bit of a break because we, we weren't in the same city at the same time. For I a long see. Time. So what you did, what, what, when was the last one you, you... We did it on Tuesday. We did what a... did you discuss in that? Uh, it was a bit of just a bit of a roundup, but we... Myself and Lloyd have done something for the uh, Premier League show. Oh, have you? Next Thursday yeah. on what? goalkeeping myths and misconceptions. Okay, what's the biggest myth and misconception about goalkeepers? Um, being beaten near post, shouldn't be beaten near post. Right. Um, ugh, there's loads. I don't want to spoil the, spoil That's the fun true. for you. Do you know what I mean? Thursday, yeah. BBC it's One. teaser for you. Yeah. Or on the iPlayer. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And there's also Parts Unknown, the totally 
wrestling podcast with yourself, Matt. Yeah, that's right. We are on WrestleMania 13 this week, which as so you So you're recall, still going back through old WrestleMania? Yeah, we are. We we uh, have not... We, we're sort of rattling through them. It's, it's going pretty quickly. But this week, the classic, as you remember, James, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Brett the Hitman Hart, double turn, really difficult to execute. Been, uh, been tried in boxing and UFC a few times since. Right. Uh, fabulous stuff. Go Carl Anker of this parish in particularly good form right. on that particular subject. So D- well worth a Ballet listen. dancing for weightlifters, that's what it is. Well, as a, as, a, as a wrestling fan, did you particularly enjoy the end of the UFC fight the other day? Um, <laughs> UFC managed to make WWE look classy, which is a really difficult <laughs> thing to do, but they managed to do it. But yes, it's a, it's a violent ballet, uh, David, is, is what we uh, <laughs> refer to, uh, to the biz as. Right. Mm. Okay. Exciting. Excellent. Well, there's a new part unknown now, is there? There certainly is. Yeah, it came out uh, on Wednesday and they drop every Wednesday to every your device of choice. Wednesday. Boom. Hitting your audio canvas. Super. All right, well, listen, thanks everybody for being with us today and you, listener. Have a super weekend. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. And make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the revamped Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and the brand new Totally Scottish Football Show. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.